Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey there, welcome to episode 53 of the Building Heroes Podcast. Have you ever felt like homeschool just takes forever? Like, I mean, I remember when I first started homeschooling. And mind you, this was just one kid. (laughs) It was taking us from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. every single day. And I'm like, when on earth am I supposed to do anything else? The house is falling apart and there's just no time for anything else. And plus, I had another kid. You know, luckily, I realized that was a bit overzealous. (laughs) So I did pull back. But what if you have multiple kids and how do you give them all the time that they need? Now, if you've been listening to me or following me, you probably know that I have seven kids. You know, how could I possibly manage to homeschool them all and give them all the attention that they need and do all the other things and not go crazy, right? It is a struggle, but there is hope. So I have also written a book called how to get everything done, how to homeschool, clean the house, and stay sane. And I'm working on getting on that on Amazon now. So I'm pretty excited for that. So watch for that because there will probably be some good deals on that when they get that up, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. So let's move on. Let's give you some hope here, okay? <laughs> now, one thing that you learn when you have multiple kids is you hear about the idea of family school. And at first, it may seem really hard to figure out how that would even work, right? Because we're so used to this idea of grade levels, and we think that we have to tailor every single subject to every single kid. So if you think about it, what if you have seven kids and seven different subjects for each one at different grade levels? My goodness, that's like 49 different subjects to keep track of. Yikes. Now, hopefully we're not doing that. That would burn you out. Now, I remember when I first heard about family-style schooling, I thought there's no way that's going to work, but it does. It's amazing. And this is why. It's because you're going to learn at whatever level you are on. So if you're an eight-year-old child in a classroom of 30-year-old or second graders, the teacher is going to teach and every single kid is going to learn at whatever level they are on. And it works the same way in a family even though the levels are a little different, you're still gonna learn at whatever level you are on. So in schools, they base their lessons on standards. And the standards just mean that they think those second graders could learn this topic. But in a family, you don't have to follow the standards and you can choose the topic and you can learn any topic at the level that you're currently on. So for example, If you're studying volcanoes together as a family, and let's say maybe that's a second grade standard, that's okay because the 11-year-old is going to learn and understand volcanoes at a much deeper level than the five-year-old, but they're still both going to learn. And you as mom is going to learn about the volcanoes at a different level too. Also, knowledge just keeps repeating. And in schools, that's what they do with their standards too. They keep repeating it and repeating it. So it doesn't really matter what order you place all of this in or that you learn it in. And what I've learned too is that if a kid is interested in something and a kid loves to learn, that kid is going to keep on learning. 
even if it's not on the standards plan for the year or in the curriculum. So you don't really have to follow the grade levels that way. So I wanted to figure out how to cover all the basics as the family and make sure we're covering all the basic topics. And I found that I could just take all those topics that are covered in K through six and we could learn them together as a family. In just like an hour a day over the period of five years, it doesn't have to take seven hours and we don't have to keep repeating as much either because we find it so interesting. And we also learn at our own level, whatever that may be. And the family tends to love learning because it's fun and not because we have to do it to meet the standard. And then we can repeat it again if we want to. So we can learn history, science, math, Yes, even math and language arts as a family using the curriculum I created, which is the Building Heroes Academy Homeschool Leadership Curriculum. Now, of course, you don't have to use that in order to learn family style. There's a lot of ways to do it. I just developed that curriculum to make it really easy to do. And because it only takes an hour a day, wow, that opens up a lot of time in your day. But, um, there is still more to it though, because people want to know how do, how do the kids master math and writing? Like you can learn about it and be interested in family style, but some things that really, you know, they really just do need practice in order to develop the skill in order to master it. Um, in fact, a mom of many who does family school asked this question. She said, I am struggling to teach everyone at the same time. Not necessarily with the family schooling, but the rest, the reading and the writing and the math. I have a pre-K, a first, a second, a fifth, and a sixth. Doing math and language arts and reading with the youngest every day takes up the whole day. And I feel like I'm neglecting the older kids. What am I doing wrong? So to this mom, I said, I'm sure you're not doing anything wrong. Okay, <laughs> You might just have to look at it a little bit differently. Um, we definitely have that school system in our heads with the grade levels, and it's really hard to get out of that. But if we as moms don't want to burn out, we literally cannot be spending hours individually per kid teaching them. It can't be like that in homeschool because you still have that house to run. You still have yourself to take care of. You know, I can relate to this because I've tried that. But the crazy thing is you can cut way back and they're still going to learn what they need to. So for individual work, I try really hard to find things that the kids are ready and willing for. If they're ready and willing, that typically means they can do it themselves for the most part. Um, and of course it's easier after they learn how to read too, but I'm just there to be a resource if they need help. Okay. The other thing I do is I try to keep these individual skills practice work really short, um, which works because if, if you see it as practicing instead of learning, then you can keep the time short. They'll gradually increase over time once they get consistent about it. But if you're trying to do math for like an hour a day with a first grader, you're going to have power struggles. <laughs> it's going to be rough, you know? So another example would be practicing handwriting, okay? You're going to start off with maybe doing five minutes or one page of it, or like with math or typing or something. Um, 
just keep it a lot shorter at the, at the beginning. And as they start practicing it, they'll get better at it. And then it'll be easier to go longer too. I think so much curricula really depends on having the kid do so much work and then it burns them out and they hate it and they don't love it at all. And it makes it rough. So just start it out really short. I also try really hard to pick out curricula that does not require me to be involved in teaching them. I'd rather have them be learning how to do it on them all on their own because they're practicing a skill. Um, so we have our family schooling time and then the kids know that they need to be practicing their two or three things that they can do on their own. Um, actually have some kids who do it before because they're they just like to get it done. Um, the crazy thing is, is typically in public schools, they're practicing a lot of different skills all at once, but, and they have a ton of repetition, but you don't have to really do that. You can just pick two or three things to work on at a time, keep them short, and then it's doable. Okay. And then when they get mastery in those, you can shift to something else. Um, so here's one example. I had a son in sixth grade last year. And I expected him to do two hours of math a week. However, he wanted to do it, okay? Um, for him, he loves math, so two hours a week was totally doable. And he mostly would just read Life of Fred books and he did some elephant learning as well, okay? But then I had a daughter in fourth grade. She struggled a little more, but she just practiced math 10 minutes a day. And that was a really good level for her to practice at. And sometimes she would actually do more. And, and gradually, as she gets consistent in that, she'll do more and more. Um, then I also had them doing typing for like 10 minutes a day and handwriting 10 minutes a day. Now, the next thing about this is they mostly did it all on their own because that is what they were ready and willing for. Now, if I do sit down with them and I'm making them do you know, pages and pages of math, it does end up in a battle. And then what that does is creates all these bad feelings about math. And then they don't want to ever do it, right? They want to avoid it. <laughs> but if I can preserve that feeling that, hey, this is doable. I can do this. Oh, man, it just helps in the long run for sure. So when they go at their own pace, they don't end up hating it. Um, and they can learn it really fast when they're ready to learn it. Um, I think sometimes we feel like we have to do spelling every year for like six years. So they learn how to spell. And I found that is so not true. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times what it does is make them hate spelling and then they avoid it. But a lot of kids actually just pick it up naturally and they don't even really need to do much by way of formal spelling. And that it's like that with any of those skills too. I mean, some of them will have to practice more than others, but it's at their pace. Um, and also, just because the curriculum says the kid needs this much practice or they have to go at this pace, this fast, doesn't actually mean they have to. And that is one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is that we can totally adjust to our child's level of comfort and maybe push them a little bit beyond their bounds of the comfort boundaries there. You know, we, we want them to be a little challenged, but we don't want them to be so frustrated that they can't do it and they give up. Um, so as far as teaching reading goes, that does take more time on mom's part, but here again, I try to keep the lesson really short. Um, 
I use how to teach your child to read in 100 easy lessons. And um, I just because a lesson was one lesson long didn't mean I was going to finish the whole lesson. Because sometimes the kid just gets distracted or too squirrely. Um, and then I would try to bring the kid back to focus. And sometimes I could, but there's always that point where, you know, as a mom, it's just time to be done with the lesson and it's okay. And it's really good to use your intuition that way. Um, so it would take me maybe 10 to 15 minutes of reading. Now, some reading programs think that you can spend an hour or something with your kid. And if your kid has that long of an attention span and you do too, great. But for me and my kids, it's usually more around 10 to 15 minutes. So then what we would do is we, we would stop in the middle of a lesson, no big deal. And then next time we'd just pick up where we left off or maybe go back a little bit and review a little bit. So, you know, just because a lesson is a certain length does not mean you have to keep doing it. It's really more about using your intuition, your um, knowledge of your child to know when he's done, you know? Obviously you don't wanna keep, um, letting them give up or whatever, but you can kind of find that balance in between. Like how much do I push them and just say, oh, I bet you could do one more or just say, okay, let's do five more and then we'll be done. You know, if they're not paying attention, if they're feeling mad, it's not going to stick anyway. So it doesn't even make sense to keep pushing them on there. Um, so as for neglecting the older kids, okay? It's interesting because as the kids get older, they can do more on their own, which is great. But if you're doing the family style hour, you're not neglecting them. And when you're allowing them to do their own individual work, you're empowering them that they can do it on their, their own too. You know, if you're not sitting there making them do their work, that is fine too. Um, you don't have to be their teacher for the rest of their days. And really you do want them to start learning how to make themselves practice and how to make themselves learn on their own. So um, while it might feel like you're neglecting the older ones, I mean, the younger ones are just gonna need a little more um, interactions, but you aren't neglecting the older ones, especially if you are doing that family style learning with them as well. So the key is really, we want our kids to progress. But we also don't want to push them so hard that we have to be the taskmasters and they hate learning. So really do pay attention to their readiness and their willingness. And also remember, they're still learning even when you're not teaching, maybe even more when you're not teaching. And also remember, it's really okay not to get through a whole lesson. The curriculum is your tool. It's your servant. Don't let it be your master. Now, once I figured this out, that I could spend time with the kids, maybe an hour a day during the family schooling, teaching them the basic topics, and then I go and create the good learning environment where they keep on learning, and then I just need to have them practice skills for short, short amounts of time every day. Um, and they could do this mostly without my help. Man, that really changed my whole outlook on health schooling. It's because I didn't have to do it all and I shouldn't do it all either. So at that point, it wasn't taking all day. I didn't have to engage in massive power struggles and I had time to do other things. 
So what I was really doing was taking the time to connect with them long enough in family school um, that we didn't create the power struggles. And then I empowered them to go at their pace to develop skills. Now, this is tricky. It really is a tricky mindset shift because we think we do have to teach them all because that's kind of the system that we've grown up with. We've always thought that we have to learn everything from a teacher. And that's actually totally not true. Um, And then also if we relate this to the hero's journey, the guide does not keep pushing the hero on the journey and, and say, okay, you have to do this next, check off the box, you know. The guide guides the hero along. The guide's not forcing them. Now, obviously when the hero is on the hero journey is your own child, you're going to set a boundaries, keep them safe, right? And you're, you're going to create some learning opportunities, but you don't have to sit there next to them the whole time to make them learn. Kids are really naturally curious. They actually love to learn and they can learn so much without someone telling them that everything they have to learn. The other thing to think about is play. And actually I should just say it this way. So many things kids do um, doesn't look like learning, but it is. And we, we tend to think that learning in our, in our brains, that learning has to look like filling in workbooks or reading a textbook, but it doesn't. For kids, learning can look very, very different. It can look like play. It can look like reenacting things. It can be, look like creating something. It can look like um, coming up with new ideas. It can actually even look like just laying on the sofa and thinking. Now, there's so many ways they can activate their brain that they are learning things that we may not see as learning. It could be like playing outside in the backyard. It could be playing with friends. So there's a lot more learning going on than we realize in our kids. And it doesn't all have to look like textbooks and workbooks. Man, it is so freeing when you start to think about it this way. So... um, I'm hoping this helped you think about how your homeschool is set up and how you can make it simpler so it doesn't take all day. And I would love to hear your takeaways on this. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love it if you could leave a five-star review and post your takeaway. And I'd love to highlight your comment on an upcoming podcast. I actually heard another podcast too, this, and I love the idea Um, Because I loved hearing the takeaways in the podcast and, you know, and also when you rate and review the um, podcast, it really helps um, other people find this as well. Plus, when you take the time to write down your takeaway, it actually sticks in your brain better. Super cool. All right. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and watch for my book coming up on Amazon because if you like this podcast, I think you'll love the book. And I will talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.